0: Nikki, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to worship at FCC today. If this is your first time joining us, welcome, and I'm just honored that you're here and hope you feel right at home with the First Christian family. Before we get started, I want to take a moment and highlight just a few of the exciting things that are happening around FCC this month as we leap into 2021. Here are some of the ways that you can get involved. Cold weather is here and we want to help those in need in our community with a warm blanket and hand warmer packs. So bring a new or gently used blanket and hand warmers throughout the month of January to be distributed through our West Main Ministry to the Homeless. FCC small groups are encouraged to participate in Good Samaritan Ministry's monthly meal to the homeless at the melting pot. This surfing opportunity provides a noon meal to the hungry and those in need throughout our community, and FCC serves on the third Thursday of the month. Contact Kathy Smith to get involved. Newcomers, long timers, or something in between, first things first is your next step in learning more about the church. Join Senior Minister Ethan Magnus on Sunday, January 17th over Zoom as he discusses what it means to know Jesus, be part of the church body, and ways to get involved. Next month is Love Month here at FCC, and loving God and loving others is our purpose. You're invited to show love to the Johnson City community through a variety of different serving opportunities that will be available throughout February, which you can register for on our website. COVID is impacting all of our lives in multiple ways. You are invited to find support through one of our winter care groups, which are kicking off this month, including a COVID support group, a caregiver support group, and men's and women recovery groups. For more information on these upcoming events and more, visit our FCC-JC.org website. If you would like to worship through giving today and partner with God and what God is doing through FCC, you can check out the FCC website or click the link in the chat to learn how to give online through text to give or through check. And if you're a guest today, you are in a generous church that gives cheerfully as an act of worship So if you're not ready to give, that's okay. Please don't feel any pressure. We're just glad that you're with us today. Now let's turn our hearts to God in worship.
1: Well, hey church, I'm so glad to get to say hello to everybody, (laughs) whether you're here in the the worship center with us live today. Great to see you all or uh, around our campus. We have some different Microsites going as well. We have people parked outside in their cars today worshiping with us. And we have lots and lots of folks at home uh, worshiping, with, worshiping with us virtually. And so we just welcome everybody. So glad to have you all. Uh, I told this, this group, the worship group, and the, and the production team Thursday night in our rehearsal right here on this platform, um, I was so glad to come and, and lift our praises and be able to sing our worship to our God and our thanks to our God because Thursday night, I was uh, emotionally drained. I was just exhausted. I don't know about you, but you probably were feeling the same way. So I'm glad that you're here today with us live or on, online to, to be able to worship, to be able to lift your hearts worship and thanks to God this morning. Uh, it is the best thing we can do to worship our living Savior. So welcome, glad to have all of you here. As we do that today, I'm going to invite all of us to stand together. and Make sure your mask is uh, in place if you're here in in the worship center. And stand at home or wherever you're worshiping with us from. We're going to read the scripture out loud together. Like you mean it. Let's read these words together. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That love changes everything. Let's sing it together. I see his body breaking.
2: I see his fingers bleed. I see the darkness tremble at the ground below his feet.
3: Jesus. We cry out to you. We are sinners today and we need of a merciful father. You're our way maker. Have mercy on today we sing.
2: I worship you, I worship you. You are here healing every heart. I worship you, I worship you. You're turning light That is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are.
3: Before we continue to sing that song, I don't want us to miss just one thing. I don't want us to forget about the words that we're actually singing. A lot of times when we come to church, we can look up on the screen or see the words on your computer or phone or whatever. And we often forget what we're singing here in the moment. Jesus says in the gospel of John, he says what those, those lines have been saying. He says, I am the light of the world. And whoever walks with me no longer walks in darkness, but walks with the light of life. And, um, It's good to remember the faithfulness of God. It's good to remember his promises and how he's kept them, especially after a year that we've just had and even like the last week. Um, And so, you know, when we sing a song like this, we're reminded, and I hope that you're reminded today, that God has made a way and that he was with you in whatever struggle has come, as we've all struggled this year. Um, You know, I've seen the Lord heal marriages uh, I've seen God meet us all in our deepest grief, in our deepest loss. God was there when the financial struggle hit. He was there when the joy happened. God, through and through, his promises never fail and fail us or leave us, and he's with us. And so I'd like to invite you to do something right now, uh, whether you're at home or here in the room. Let's just take 30 seconds right where you are, close your eyes, and pray silently. And maybe you you thought of something that I just mentioned, that one of those struggles that you just faced, the loss of a loved one, financial problems, um, anything else in between that we've faced this year. Can you just take a second to remind yourself and thank God that His promises are true for you today, and that He's with you? He's with you. So let's pray as a church silently right now. We're from wherever you are. Let's lift our voices towards heaven and pray a prayer of thankfulness now. Amen, amen. Are you thankful for that today, church? God, you are faithful to us, your people, your church. Amen. Be seated, please.
4: Welcome, church, and Happy New Year. It is so good to be with you today. I wasn't here on the first week of the year. Thanks to John Emmert for kicking off the new year in such a grand fashion. But it is great to be with you today. And I'm really excited about the new sermon series that kicks off this week to sort of launch our year. This is your story. We're going to talk about 150 years of First Christian Church. Uh, but before we jump into that, uh, in light of this week, I want to give you a couple reminders, and then I want to pray together. I expect I'm not the only one who has found this a hard week. Uh, really, the last time I watched the news, as much as I have this week, uh, was 9-11. That was the last time that I just stayed stuck to my television, as much as I have been this week. Um, I'm actually not sure it was super healthy for me either time. There wasn't much I could do, but somehow I found it hard to pull away. So I thought before we jumped into the message and launched the series, I just would uh, share with you a couple reminders. Um, Some of these I had to be reminded of. Uh, We had an elders meeting Thursday night, and we we prayed for our country for a long time as we started off, and boy, I tell you, I was listening to the prayers of our elders, and at one point I started taking notes while i was praying because i didn't want to forget the prayer because i needed to be reminded so here are a couple reminders for you i call them reminders because they they're things you probably already know or you've been told before but maybe it'd be helpful for you to remember right now so the first reminder is about faith our faith is in god that is our rock that is the the steady anchor not in presidents which come and go or governments which also come and go not as often as presidents but they do they rise and fall you can't point to a nation on earth that was here when jesus was here our faith is not in politics our faith is in god and i've needed to be reminded of that several times this week The second reminder is about anger. Anger by itself isn't all that bad a thing. Some things should make us angry. Injustice should make us angry. Cruelty should make us angry. But I've been struggling with my anger this week. Because anger can make us do a lot of things that are bad things. The anger might not be that bad. Maybe the anger is justified. But anger makes it easy to excuse hatred and cruelty. Anger makes it easy to excuse lying. God's word says it's not a sin to be angry, but in your anger, do not sin. So I would just challenge you. Man, on the days when you read some news article and it makes you angry, don't let your anger tempt you into hating some other person okay Paul says our struggle is not with flesh and blood that means no person is ever your enemy I know you want to tell me the person you think is the exception I probably think they're the exception too and I I'm, I'm telling you this because I struggled with this this week I'm struggling with it this morning but if they're a human being they're not your enemy that's what Paul says I said Paul says our enemy is the devil and I still believe in the devil And I think we are in a, I would say, a demonic opportunity. An opportunity for Satan to turn your heart away from God and into anger and cruelty and rage. So I would just remind you, don't let that happen. In your anger, do not sin. Don't believe every Facebook post you read. And don't forward a Facebook post that you haven't independently verified. There's so much falsehood out there decide that you will resist the way that anger wants to lead us into sin Say, i'm going to stand against because and it's a little different for all of us right you know i guess it was thursday afternoon in a perfectly normal conversation with my kids i snapped at them and like they were gonna look super confused And they're like, why would you get mad at me? And I answered, because there was a riot in Washington yesterday, and I stayed up all night watching the news, and so I'm mad, and I can't take it out on the rioters, so I took it out on you. Like, that's why I got mad at them. That was it. That was the reason. So in your anger, do not sin. My third reminder would be this. And this is the worst one, but it's straight from Jesus. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If your strategy for getting through this trying time is to go hang out on social media with people that think like you and agree with you and talk like you and hate the same people you hate, you are disobeying Jesus. If that's how you're going to get through this, is to go to the news site where they already say the things you agree with and you go to the comment section and they they bash the people you don't like and they they cheer on the people you do like, if that's your strategy, you are disobeying Jesus. Cuz Jesus says, love your enemies. Actively seek out those you disagree with, those that oppose you, track them down, So that you can love them. And doggone it, I really believe if just those who called on the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord. If just those people in our country went and found their political opponents and loved them. We will, this will be over so fast. It will just be done. If just the people who call on Jesus just decided to love Jesus their enemies with urgency and power and strength. Would we get wounded? Of course we would get wounded. Jesus died on a cross. Like the path of love is not a path of easy. I'm not saying they'll love you back every time. I'm not saying it'll be easy or we'll all sing kumbaya, but I am saying that the cause of Christ would be promoted if we would just love our enemies. Those three reminders, you already knew them. And I really there is a chance that the only person in here who needs these reminders is me Because I have struggled to put my faith in God alone As I've watched the institutions of our world get shaky and I have struggled when I have gotten angry to avoid sin And so I needed that reminder and I struggle to actively love my enemies So I know I needed those three reminders and maybe they're useful for somebody else too The main thing, though, I need, and you need, and we all need, is to pray. And so maybe you'd join me in that right now. Father God, we turn to you today as our shepherd, our leader, our God, and our Savior. And we thank you that you are a rock. That you are a steady, saving God. That you are reliable and steadfast and faithful and good when everything else is corrupted and shaky and unreliable. And God, we call out to you now with hearts that are bursting. So much stuff we can't keep track of, emotional world that is off the page. We're afraid and angry and nervous and worried. We cry out to you on behalf of our nation and our families and our own hearts because we need you, God. God, we pray for those who are scared that they would know that you are not scared. Because you are mighty to save, strong and secure and in control. We pray as those who are shocked, but we know, God, that you are not surprised. You are not caught off guard. But in every situation, you, God... Are ready we pray as those who are weeping so comfort us in our sadness we pray as those who are angry and so God I just pray that in our anger God protect us from sin God I just I, as a people we come to you with our anger and cast our cares and frustrations on you for there is injustice and upheaval and chaos in our world God help us help us to learn how to love even when we're angry how to pray even when we're worried how to be productive and peaceful and be a force of healing in our world God we come to you in a world that is divided and we ask that in this place there might be unity not because we agree on politics or the election or everything else but because we agree on Jesus Christ and we know that our foundation is there and nowhere else Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, may we bring pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Jesus Christ, who looked not to your own satisfaction, but sacrificed yourself for the sake of those you loved, grant us the same spirit that we would not seek to be consoled ourselves, but instead seek to console others. That we would not seek to be understood, but instead seek to understand. That we would not insist that we would be loved, but instead work to love others. Give us the way of Christ in this. In all of this, we pray. In the name of the one who was and is and is to come, our only true Lord. Jesus Christ, amen. Well, when things get crazy, it is good to be part of a church that's 150 years old. Because that's a church that's seen some stuff, that's been through some stuff. And it gives me confidence to know that if we made it through that, we'll make it through this. And if you're here with us today, uh, here in the room or online or watching this later on your cell phone, you are part of that story. Have you heard the news? This is the year that we celebrate our 150th birthday. It's called a sesquicentennial, which is harder to say than you think it is. It Really, try it sometime. And this year, we are going to celebrate off and on for the whole year you'll find that we're going to stop and celebrate 150 years of God's faithfulness through this one local church. And today we we kick off a brand new series telling just a little bit of our story. Your story. The story of First Christian Church in Johnson City. Uh, the the story starts on November 12th, 18 71. the very first document produced by our church uh, began on that first day of existence november 12th, 1871 when around 15 people gathered in the home of william h young the house still exists it's over on cedar place i won't give the address right now so we don't all drive right there and freak out the owners but it's still people still live there same house 15 people gathered there And about that day, in the days after, they wrote the following document, the oldest document of our church. The Christian Church of Johnson City was organized on the 12th day of November, in the year of our Lord, 1871. The following named brethren and sisters were first enrolled and agreed to be steadfast in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayers and this agreement includes all others that may be added thereafter the lord permitting them so to live and after that we have a a list of names it starts with the, the the 15 that were there that very first day and then more and more names were added in 1885, uh, the names were so many they filled both sides of that sheet of paper, and that sheet of paper was uh, abandoned and replaced with a, a formal book of members in the church. But it all started on on that little sheet of paper, 15 people who agreed to be steadfast in the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers, and then they said this agreement includes all others that may be added thereafter. The Lord permitting them so to live. That's how the story starts. And this is your story. You're going to hear that phrase a lot this year. This is your story. In, In part, you'll just hear it because it's true. And some of you already know that it's true, right? Like some of you have been in this church or connected to it for generations. You can tell me what your grandpa did at this church or your great-grandpa did at this church or your great-great-grandpa did at this church. And if that's the case, you already knew that the story of this church was your story. But maybe it's your first time here. Maybe a friend sent you a link, and you're watching online for the very first time, or you're you're sitting down in your PJs, and you've been coming for a month or two, but you've never even seen the building. Well, here's what you need to know. It's still your story. It's your story, because this story, the story of this church, and God's faithfulness through it, is your legacy. When you join in with us, it becomes your inheritance. And you know it's your story, because you, did you hear that? The very first thing they wrote down, way back in 1871, from the very beginning, they knew that the story of this church would belong to others. I love that. They said, this church, the 15 of us, and everybody who any time after this shows up and says, yeah, I'll I'll live that way too. I'm going to jump in with that. That sounds pretty good to me. I'm on board with that. And they said, it's going to be your story too. The story of this church, which we'll be telling throughout the year, is also your story in one other important way. It's your story not just to inherit, to remember, it's also your story to write. That's part of what's great about telling the story of a church, is that it's not done being written. I mean, 150 years of our story are written, and we'll get to remember some of that, and Talk about some of the highlights But next year's story hasn't been written This year's story hasn't been written Next decade's story There's so much more of our story I mean as long as Jesus tarries We've got more story to write And you get to help write that story I hope you will I can't wait to see what the next chapter says But today Before we talk too much about this truth the truth that the story of this church is our story and it is your story whether it's your first day here or you've been coming here since you're born before we talk about the fact that the story of this church is your story i need to say something even more foundational something that lies beneath that truth because the story of this church of every church even before it is your story it is god's story you see the story of the church always is the story of god and jesus christ because the church belongs to jesus it doesn't belong to us we say that sometimes right that's my church This is my church. Don't you mess with my church. And I get what we mean by the phrase, but technically it's inaccurate. It's Christ's church. Matthew 16, when the disciples are just starting to figure out who Jesus is, uh, Jesus asks them one day, he says, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he turns on him and he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter gives the confession that we still use today when people want to join the church. This is the confession we ask them to make. Because this is what makes us members of one church. Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. God. Jesus says blessed are you Simon son of Jodah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my father and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it did you hear Jesus say it on this rock on the word of your confession that I am the Christ the son of the living God I will build Jesus says My church. And the Bible keeps telling us this truth. Ephesians 1.22, God says, God placed everything under Christ's feet and appointed Christ to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This teaching shows up in dozens of texts that the church is the body of Christ. And Christ is the head of the church. The church is that physical representation that emanates out of the lordship and sovereignty of Christ. You've got ten people who agree that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and they agree together you've got a church. The church is when the people embody the lordship of christ in their lived out rhythm that's a church and it belongs to jesus because it's the body of christ the church preaches christ the church is founded by christ the church is sustained by christ the church is the body of christ and when the church becomes anything else well it sort of becomes a monster like, if the church ever becomes about anything else other than the Lordship of Christ over our collected lives, well, it's like that old, you know, creepy monster from some B-movie of some headless zombie, right? You know? And that does happen, right? Churches can lose their head, so to speak. And, and I don't want to depress you about all the ways that a church can go wrong, but, but it does happen, and we've got to be guarded about it, right? A church can become about politics on the left or the right. We've seen that happen to churches where that's what they're mainly about is getting their political point across. A church can become about a person. Sometimes pastors try to take over churches. Or a church can become about a family. Or churches can become about legalism or morality or fighting moral corruption. Churches can become about their own traditions. You know, kind of that's what they're about is what they are, their traditions are churches can become about their own liturgies or about our music or about our worship or about our ceremonies there are lots of ways churches can get it wrong but when we get it right churches are about one thing they're about jesus we are the collection of people who together believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and together decide to organize our lives under Christ's Lordship. And when we remember that the church is for Jesus Christ and about Jesus Christ, and especially, I just this is so helpful. When we remember that the church belongs to Jesus, well, it just changes everything about how we face the future of the church people ask me you know it's a crazy time people will say Ethan do you have hope for the church and I'll say well why do you ask and they'll have some statistic maybe it'll be about declining attendance or about this or about some cultural shift and the, you know in light of all this Ethan do you have any hope for the church and I'll say well in light of that no I have no hope for the church but that's not how I decide whether or not I hope for the church I have hope for the church because the church belongs to Jesus and Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it that's the only reason I have hope for the church as far as I can tell it's the only reason anyone could ever have hope for the church I mean pastors they're a mixed bag but most of us have no idea what we're doing you know and the people who go to churches They're not much better than the pastors. I mean, obviously, they're a little better than the pastors, but not much. How could you have confidence in the church? Well, you could have confidence in the church if Jesus says, this belongs to me. And I will protect it, and the church will prevail. Knowing that the church belongs to Jesus gives me great peace in hard times. Great peace. Had a pastor I worked with once. His name was Tom Moen He taught me a little trick. Holy mackerel! Taught this to me more than ten years ago. It has helped me so much. At the end of a bad day, when you've worked really hard and there's more work to do at the end of the day than there was at the beginning of the day, as he was leaving his office, he would say out loud, as if to the sky, but really as it was a prayer, he would say, "All right, Jesus." It's your church. You're going to have to fix it because I sure messed it up or something like that. All right, Jesus, I did all I could. You'll have to take it from here. I don't know what I'm doing. And and hearing him say that day after day, it just changed my heart. Yeah, it's Jesus' church, and he will sustain it. And this gives me peace in hard times. On the flip side, though, knowing that the church belongs to Christ will also give us humility in good times. Acts 2.47 describes a great little moment in the life of the church when they were growing and caring for one another. It's it's from the same text where that, that phrase, the apostles teaching fellowship breaking the bread and prayer came from. That was in that little history snippet I read. And in Acts 2.47, at the end of that description of this great season of the life of the church, it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number. When things are going bad, God's got it. And when things go well, God did it. Like, just, 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 just. Hear that again, because I know it's so simple, but it will change how you think about God's church. When things go badly, God's got it. He will repair, protect, redeem. And when things go well, God did it. He gets the glory and the honor and the praise. Knowing who has the church, knowing who the church belongs to, It'll change you. Here's the last thing it does to me when I know who the church belongs to. Is it challenges me to action. One of the most important verses in my life is, Romans, is 1 Corinthians 1558. In that context, Paul has been talking about resurrection. And, and how the resurrection changes how we live today. And at the end of that chapter, he says this, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is never in vain. And there's a lot to that verse we can stand firm in light of the resurrection there's a lot to unpack there but i just want to focus on one little thing uh, that that'll change how you think about the church your labor in the lord is never in vain and if that's true and if the church is about jesus and for jesus and if the church belongs to jesus then that means that the work we do on behalf of the church is always eternally significant. This realization was a huge part of my own call to ministry. I felt like I had a lot of things I could do, and I wanted to do something that I knew was important, and I got a hold of this text, and I was like, well, if I tried to serve the church, I would never have to wonder. But it's not just about people who choose to go into the ministry it's about all the ways that you decide to serve god's church the investment you make to prepare a lesson or to reach out to a friend good grief in december you all probably figured out that that christmas eve was a, a roller coaster this year at this church We did a different thing every day. It was crazy. Like I I don't even quite like to go into it because I haven't gotten a chance to talk to my therapist yet about it. And I'm worried I'll start crying on you. It was crazy. But among the things that happened uh, for Christmas Eve was we had this crew of workers that showed up on Monday to set everything up, and then a storm was coming, so we had to tear it back down. And then on Tuesday, they set it all up. It got to stay up Tuesday night, but then on Wednesday, we had to tear it all down because we thought a storm was coming, a storm that did not come. So we had to get about half of it back out. But of course, that night, we had to tear it all down again. And then Thursday, we set back up for a different program, which halfway through, we had to cancel because the blizzard came. So we had to tear it all down. And it was about the same 14 people that set it up and tore it down and set it up and tore it down and set it up and tore it down. I'm actually not sure whether in the end we left it up or left it down. I don't know. And it's so easy when you're in the middle of that to think this is all wasted. This is all, you know, all that energy we did setting things up was all wasted. And I know it because we had to tear it back down the next day. And if the church didn't belong to Jesus, you might be right you might be right if the church didn't belong to Jesus you might be right you would have to use the means of the world to measure whether all that energy was worth it or not but the church does belong to Jesus and our labor in the Lord is never in vain which means that our work and service on behalf of God's church even when it doesn't work out the way we would hope even when it doesn't, we you know we can't we don't see the victory even then it's never in vain it's never wasted because the church belongs to jesus i love reading these stories about the history of our church one thing i love about them is reading about people that i'd otherwise never hear of why do i know the name william h young i mean his great great grandpa well he was a revolutionary war hero i suppose we would know his name William that's actually the name I know why do I know his name well it's because on November 12th 1871 he opened his house to what really amounts to a small group Bible study 15 people they read the first chapter of the book of Acts together they took communion they had dinner and they prayed but his labor in the Lord is never in vain. The story of this church is our story. And I hope you come to believe that it is your story, that you're a part of it. And you get to help write the next chapter. But before we, before we kind of wrap our heads around the fact that it's our story and it's your story, we've got to know that it is God's story. That God is authoring the story of His church and inviting us to be a part of it. This is why, for me, I just you know, it's funny, writing this sermon in the middle of this week has been a real challenge for me. Because I want to get distracted by all the politics and all the arguing and all the fighting and all the chaos. And I really do think that stuff matters. And I am worried that people are listening to nonsense and believing lies and letting it corrupt their hearts. But this is the story God's writing. Jesus didn't found America, He did found the church. This is the labor that is never. In vain and everything we just said about the church is true about your life yes your life is your story of course you already knew that your life is your story but your life also is meant to be god's story Romans 14, none of us live our lives to ourselves alone. None of us die to ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Everything we just said about the church belonging to Christ is meant to be true of you if you are in Christ. This is why Jesus says the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Because you belong to God. And so the first command is to love God. And for 150 years, that command has been where this church has started. Knowing that we belong to God as a church, knowing that we ourselves belong to God, we start here. People always want to know when they find out you're a pastor, they'll say, so what's your church like? And that's, you know, a tricky question to answer. Do they want a church history lesson? You know, what what do they want to know? But lately, I've started with the, the answer... Uh, that we actually it 's actually the one that we put on our website here 's what our church is like we 're trying to follow Jesus by loving God and loving everyone and making disciples and telling our stories that that 's the answer we give. If you want to hear all about the details of that answer, uh, come to the next uh, first things first class we 'll tell you all about our church. And how those four ideas drive everything we do. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how those four ideas have been driving everything we do since the very beginning, 150 years. But the place it starts is with God. Listen, a lot of things have changed about this church in 150 years. We've changed locations about uh, a little less than a dozen times. We've changed pastors a little less than two dozen times. Not a single person is alive today who was there in that room with William H. Young in 1871. We've grown some and shrunk some and grown again and shrunk again and grown again and shrunk again and grown again and shrunk again. again again. Lots changed in 150 years. But two things haven't. This church... Belongs to Jesus Christ. Because every church, the church, belongs to Jesus Christ. And our first commandment as a church and as followers is to love our God, the very one to whom we, our very lives, belong. This is your story. Let's pray. Gracious God, we want our story to be the story of a people who love you. Teach us now, God, to give you our full and complete love. Teach us, God, to love you first and to serve you alone. Protect us as a church from all the things that would tempt us away from your love. Likewise, protect us as your people. God, we thank you for the legacy we have as part of this church, a legacy of faithfulness and commitment to you, a church that is founded by Christ and is about Christ and for Christ and belongs to Christ. And we pray that as the next chapters of our story were written, you would preserve that truth. We pray this in Jesus' name.
3: Lord teach me to pray not just words not but to say but
2: my heart where it should lay oh Lord teach me to pray so let your kingdom come
1: teach us to pray teach us I love those red words in the Bible where Jesus is teaching us as an old music teacher myself I love those moments those teachable moments when he takes his disciples aside and says here's what I want you to learn and then because he taught them he teaches us through his word teaches us how to pray in a moment we're going to share in that prayer that he taught his disciples, not because it's the exact way to pray, but it's the method that we need to use as we approach the heavenly father. Those words. We also learn from scripture that he taught his disciples about these emblems, the bread and the cup. In that upper room on the last night before he was crucified, He took those moments to make sure they remembered his sacrifice for them. And he took such simple things, things that they would probably eat every day, the bread, the cup, and said, as often as you do this, remember me. Remember the love that I had for you. Remember the kindness that you need to show to one another. Remember the love that you need to show to your neighbor. Remember all those things, and most importantly, remember that I sacrificed my life for your sins and so that's what we do now as we come to this time when we take the Lord's Supper together we remember his teachings we remember his love for us his sacrifice before we take the cup and the the bread let's all say together those words that he taught us that we now refer to as the Lord's Prayer let's say them together our Father who art in heaven take.
2: To pray, not just words, not what to say, but my heart, where it should lay. Oh Lord,
3: teach me to pray. Let Your kingdom come. So let Your kingdom come. Stand with us and let's sing that all together one more time. Lord, teach us to pray, not just words, not what to say, but my heart
2: and where it should lay. Oh Lord, teach me to pray, let your kingdom come so let's your kingdom
4: So good to worship with you today. I am here today with Laura and Glenn Doolittle, who have come to place their membership with us. Well, Laura and Glenn, you heard it. Way back in 1871, they were counting on you. Uh, They were counting on all the people who would come and say, yeah, I wanna share in that life with you. And we still today, our unity is found in that same confession that Peter made way back then when Jesus heard it and said, yep, I can build a church on that. Our unity is found not in that we always disagree or we always think alike or look alike or talk alike, but that we share the same Lord. And so right now, I would invite you to repeat your confession of faith after me. And because you're not just being membered with us, but we're being membered with you, I would invite everybody, whether you're watching online or here in the room, if you also share this confession, to repeat after me, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is my Lord and he is my Savior. Amen. Well friends, thank you so much. We do welcome you. We're so glad you're here. Hey, if you get a chance, wave to the Doolittles after the service, but don't shake their hands. Go ahead. (laughs) Thank you. Hey friends, it has been great to worship with you. And we are so glad that you're here. Hey, listen, if you're worshiping online, you probably have some next steps to take, all right? So do it. Uh, Maybe you wanna check out some of those links, get connected with somebody. Maybe you need to ask somebody, what would it look like for me to let my story become God's story and God to write the story of my life? We wanna help you get started in that. Maybe you want to know more about this church, not just the history, but who are we today and where are we headed? Sign up for the next First Things First class. Wherever you are, there are ways for you to contribute to the mission of this church through giving. If you're here with us in the room, on your way out the doors, whether you go out the back or out the side, there'll be giving kiosks. If you're worshiping online, there'll be links in the chat or links from the main webpage. For all of us, take a next step with God. Reorient your life in the midst of the craziness we're in. Reorient your life where Christ is your foundation. It's the only one that's stable. If you're here in the room, stop by one of the connection kiosks. They'll be easy to find, on your, find your way out. If you're online, find the links. Reach out to us. We love you. I want to bless you and then send you out. God, send forth your church on the foundation of Jesus Christ, knowing that we belong to you. And you are the one who will make us stand. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, it's been great to worship with you. Have a great week.